0: Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Glad to have you with me today. It is May 31st, 2022. Just finished up a nice long Memorial Day weekend. I did not put out a podcast last week because I have been really busy working on a book that I'm writing. And actually uh, really coming together nicely, but today I wanted to talk about a really interesting subject called mass formation and a lot of people have seen a video that went around on YouTube about this topic mass formation hypnosis and it was you know specific specifically referring to the the covid um, Experience of how so many people just like bought into the COVID narrative, and um, I—it's I, been a while since I watched that video, but it made a lot of sense to me. And so this interview was James Corbett of the Corbett Report podcast talking to Matthias Desmet, and he has a book called The Psychology of Totalitarianism. In this book, he he describes in great detail how people become part of this mass formation. And what does that mean, mass formation? It simply means that they they join up with the mass, okay? And the more I realized, the more I listened to him talk, the more I realized, okay, mass formation is simply widespread cult Behavior. So, I don't think I'm the first one to refer to what's been happening in the world lately as cults. We're living in an age of cults. So, I really wanted to talk about this because I think it is super important that we be aware of the danger for ourselves of getting swept up in this cult like mass formation behavior. So what do people do who are in these who are a victim of this? Well, they they basically lose their ability to to think for themselves and they go along with whatever they're told and they do not question it even when what they're being told to do and believe is is obviously untrue and even absurd okay so some of us can immediately equate those things in our minds with what happened during the pandemic um, you know no matter what we tried to tell people uh, like you know well what what you're saying doesn't make sense they wouldn't listen so mass formation is is it's a very powerful thing. I mean, it literally blinds people to reality. And the same thing can happen in cults, right? Think about Scientology or uh, doomsday cults or any cult that has a very strong control over its members. So Um this group identification that we're talking about could also be applied to the identity politics movement. So if you think about, so Desmet explains that when people are involved in mass formation, they are actually uh, relating to a collective identity. And some people have called that the hive brain, or you know, group think. So, in other words, they feel they feel like they are part of a group, but in, but they don't actually care that much about the individuals in the group, and that to me is the most terrifying concept that people can lose that tr- lose sight of why they got involved in that group in the first place. And the more we talk about it, the more you see that that is exactly what they were primed to do by their set of circumstances that they were living in. So when it comes to the identity movements, uh, the identity politics movement, you can think about um, the gay rights, and we'll just call it uh, LGBTQ whatever, uh, movement it started out as the gay rights movement right but then it changed over time and we also had the environmentalist movement and now it has and then it became global warming and now it is the climate agenda or climate activism or climate justice that they keep changing the name but it's all the same thing and then we have um, the critical race theory agenda that is basically the idea that everyone is being oppressed by the white man. And then we have the Black Lives Matter that, you know, no matter how much progress has been made in racial, uh, in civil rights in America, everyone is still, you know, in their belief, all black people are still constantly being oppressed. doesn't matter who you are. And if you disagree with that, well, we're going to see what happens. So then we have the feminist movement, which started out as, you know, the right for women to vote and own property. And then it became, uh, and it was actually like a social movement to fight alcoholism and things like that. And for uh, abolition of slavery. So it started off good, um, but then it evolved or it was co-opted by, I would say, evil people, who turned it into, you know, anti-male, anti-children, anti-marriage, and all that stuff. So that's the feminism thing. And then we have the so-called pro-choice movement that started out supposedly to protect women from having dangerous back-alley abortions. And to provide safe and legal abortions. And now it has evolved into um, having abortions, you know, and like even killing living children um, that are not perfect or that are unwanted. I mean, it's it seems like every one of these movements has started off, you know, with the kernel of goodness and then has blossomed into a terrible movement. So if you look at the people who are deep deeply committed to each one of these movements nowadays, you find that they do not actually relate to individual people. They only or they mostly are concerned about the ideology of the movement and we know this because if someone who's within the movement um, disagrees on one point or another with the doctrines of the cult that they're in then they will be canceled and punished and you know kicked out and no longer be allowed to be part of the movement and I mean they may even have their lives just destroyed by lies and you know false, false claims. So that pressure to go along with you know mindlessly with with the movement is is similar to the mass formation thing. Um, these people they are more committed to the agenda than they are to the people that are part of the movement. So, this kind of thing can also happen in religious religious groups, okay? And not every religious group is actually a cult, but every religious group can become a cult if if the leader loses track of what of what the movement is actually about. If the movement becomes about him and his personal philosophy, then that religion, that religious leader, even if he calls himself a Christian, he has become a cult leader. If uh, dissension or questioning or, you know, variation from the religious beliefs is not allowed to even be discussed and the people are uh, angrily booted out of the group, then you know that it was probably a cult. Um, The differences in a religious group that is based on the Bible is that if a person is sinning, sinning against what is written down in the Bible and is the object of church discipline, if they repent of that sin, then they're allowed to come back to the cult. <laughs> I mean, the church. But in a cult, that's not usually the case. And it's the same with these, um, these um, identity politics groups once you once you like um, go against them they don't let you come back so we can see that this is a very dangerous way of of thinking which is basically extremely narrow-minded it's not open to new information and it is willing to believe illogical absurd ideas if They are told that everyone else is going along, then they will go along with it, such as the masking. You know, a lot of people tried to say that the masks were not helping, but the people who were in the mask formation were unable to even have a discussion about the topic because they were so committed to their ideology of masks so uh, the people they lose their ability to think for themselves um i'm going to take a quick pause here for a message from anchor
1: really strong uh, uh, to be confronted with Experiences of lack of meaning making in life. And then a the third step, as you mentioned, these people also typically are confronted with so-called free floating anxiety, frustration and aggression. That means anxiety, frustration and aggression, which is not connected to a mental representation or in even, sim- in even simpler terms, a kind of anxiety, frustration and aggression through which or in which the person doesn't know what he's anxious for for why he feels frustrated and why he he feels aggressive. And that's an extremely aversive mental state. If people are in this state, they have the feeling that they have no control whatsoever uh, when confronted with their anxiety because they just don't know what they are anxious for. So in this state, uh, uh, when many people are in this state, something very typical might happen in society. If a narrative is distributed under these conditions through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety and providing a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, for instance, a virus and the lockdowns, anti-vaxxers and the QR code and so on. Then there might be a huge willingness in the population to follow the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, even if the strategy, strategy in many respects is utterly absurd. And the reason is people participate in a strategy just because in the first step, it gives them a feeling of a capacity to control their object of anxiety and also, they also find an object to project or to direct their frustration and aggression on. So that's extremely important. That's the first step. The first psychological advantage. The second step is even more important. Because many people at the same time participate in a strategy to deal with the object of anxiety. People start to feel connected again. And that's
0: So, in most of the identity movement, people will believe anything except what the Bible says. Or, they will say that they believe certain things from the Bible, but they will reinterpret it or make it fit their own narrative. Um, Now, the same techniques described by Desmet regarding totalitarianism can be used by power-hungry um, people who simply want to make money using religion. And these kind of leaders can create a groupthink and and they can spout religious teachings that sound like they come from the Bible or other religious text, but they will be twisted to create desired outcomes, such as con Control, Mind control. And um, this mind control will be used to get people to contribute all or most of their income to the cult. And also to prevent them from questioning the people in power of the top of the cult. Even in slightly less cultish religious groups, um, mass formation can develop under the right conditions. So what are the conditions that Desmet describes um, that can lead to mass formation? He says that our, our society was ripe for the condition, was ripe for the mass formation that happened during COVID because of the following things. A widespread loneliness in our society a widespread lack of meaning making in their lives and a general free floating anxiety, which is a feeling of not knowing what's wrong, but just feeling like something is wrong. And all of this can lead to somewhat um, feeling of frustration and even aggression. So, Under these conditions, if an extremely traumatic or fear-inducing event happens or is created, many people will choose to follow whatever the current leader tells them to do because this makes them feel better. Following the, the advice of the leader, makes them feel like they are connected it makes them feel less lonely less out of control it gives them new meaning in their life so doing what they're told for this so called greater good gives them just like a reason to live and the danger is that these people are, not, are still not actually connected to other human beings in a meaningful way and they're, they're still not connected to reality because they deny the fact that um, certain information that's being put out you know, day after day after day does not make sense um, because it doesn't have to make sense to them. They are committed to doing what they're told because they believe that that makes them a good person. And it, and it gives them that sense of connectedness that they were lacking prior to that they were they were they were not connected to anything uh, meaningful. They were just kind of uh well, I think that the public. I'm just going to refer to the public as the people who willingly, eagerly submitted to all the COVID regulations. Okay, so those kind of people are the kind of people who go along with whatever they're told, and those kind of people are tend to be very um, shallow and materialistic and self. Focused and focused on their own happiness and their own like pleasure, they're they're also very um, like controlled by doing the right thing when it comes to. Uh, they're just they're not bad people, but they want to they want to be told what to do, and they like working for someone they like um going to school and having someone um tell them their grade and and getting a degree and all these external um affirmations of their value mean a lot to them so i think what i'm trying to say is they're not as internally Um, controlled as people who were less willing to go along with the the COVID mandates. And when I said that they're more about their own pleasure and happiness, I mean that going along makes them feel good. (laughs) So it was easy for them to go along because they like going along. Whereas the people who questioned the whole idea of the COVID mandates and the lockdowns and the forced vaccines and the the um, shunning of people who wouldn't get the vaccines and the, the freedom to make your own decisions about whether or not you got the vaccine, the people who were bothered by all of that are the people who are more internally controlled And less externally controlled. However, all people, you know, under the right circumstances, can be in danger of being manipulated and brainwashed and indoctrinated without realizing it. Because if we, you know, if we have something that we already believe to be true, then, you know... um, we will go along with that, and sometimes it can actually like start to change during the process. The information can be well the uh the group can start to change into something less less than than good and but if we're committed to it already, we may not see that right away. so um, I'm gonna talk about that more in a little bit so what what was missing what is missing in the world today that is making the world we live in a world of cultish behavior whether it's you know obvious cults or whether it's acceptable cults people nowadays are just really susceptible to these mind control techniques, and maybe they always have been, but something changed. What is that that changed? What is it that made our human need for connection so easily, so dangerous, actually? I mean, we all need a connection with other people. It starts off with our mothers and our fathers And then we need friends, and then we need to figure out our own identity. And there, you know, we like to think of finding ourselves, but actually, that's sort of a misnomer because it's not that you find yourself, it's that you figure out where you fit in to the world and you find yourself in relation to other people in the world. You find your tribe, you find your people, you find your person in a, you know, in a marriage or whatever. So you have to figure out who you are and then you have to figure out who you are going to connect with. So this is a natural thing that God created inside human beings. And ultimately, this need for connection can only fully be met with our connection with God. And that is, why is that? Because people are always going to let you down. You know, people are only human. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Some of us are worse than others. Some are really good people. But no one can really... Fulfill every single need you have because God wants you to need him. (laughs) However, during the so-called Enlightenment period, people began to reject the idea of God. They rejected the idea of an unseen world and belief in the supernatural and the spiritual began to be seen as uneducated and unscientific. And um, I think it was, I forget who said it, but, you know, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses or something like that. Well, obviously, the effects of rejecting God and the effects of trying to separate ourselves from our spiritual natures have been catastrophic. I mean, mental illness is rampant. And disconnectedness and a feeling of disassociation from reality is getting worse and worse every year. So, people need deeper meaning to be happy. And that's because people are not just materialistic beings. We are spiritual beings. However, God gave us a safety mechanism. In times of danger, we do not have a lot of time to think. We have to act quickly. So God gave us what some people call the monkey brain or the lizard brain, the the lower part of the brain that can kind of act without thinking whenever necessary in this fight or flight reaction to instant danger like but in the modern world in the in developed countries the dangers we face are more of a uh, chronic nature not a sudden tiger jumping out of a bush or things like that we we just we just kind of live with the fear of bad things happening or the fear of not being popular or the fear of losing our jobs or the fear of getting sick. And obviously, this fear has been manipulated by powerful interests. One is this using the fear just to get us to buy things, right? I mean, ads on TV constantly play on our fears of not being like other people. You should buy this so you can be like everyone else, and so you can not be fat, or you can not be ugly, or so you can have the coolest car or the best clothes. So that's a common uh, fear that has been manipulated by marketing geniuses since the beginning. And the fear of being unhealthy has also been... uh, are very helpful for selling snake oil remedies. Well, the, the the vaccines of today are being manipulated are being marketed in a very similar way, playing on our fears, playing on our tendency, our human tendencies to not want to be sick, right? Nobody wants to be sick, but what they do is they manipulate the the risk, they make it sound like it you know, everyone is going to get sick and die if you don't do such and such. Well, that's manipulation and that type of living in that kind of an environment year after year creates this free-floating anxiety that Desmond is talking about. Um, So in the old days when people still had faith in God, uh, they would they would turn to God. They would pray. They would they would you know worship God when bad things happen. But nowadays this has been taken away as an acceptable normal way of dealing with the difficulties of life. And obviously some of us are still Christians, and we hopefully turn to God. Through prayer and 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 also Bible reading and all that, um, whenever we are experiencing fear. But the the truth is that there's a very many people in the world who don't know God. They they have been brainwashed by philosophers by public schools, by colleges, by the media, by newspapers, by books, magazines, TV, movies, music, the devil himself, to believe that anyone who believes in God or seeks help from God is weak, uneducated, unscientific, etc., so, what have we replaced God with? We have replaced God with medication and um, other numbing, numbing things such as scrolling our phones, um, drugs and alcohol, sex, shopping. You know, all those things cost money. So God doesn't cost money. So God doesn't contribute to the global, you know, goal of, for people to make money. So they had to eliminate God. Now, for people who have experienced severe trauma, which is a lot of people in the world, and more and more, and I think the, the COVID pandemic was very traumatic for many people. So the next thing that comes along, those people are definitely going to do whatever they're told. Um, after you have experienced trauma, um, you are, you're going to be more prone to an overreaction to, to the next one. So the danger is that people in authority are fully aware that they have a lot of power in a situation where people are afraid. So totalitarianism becomes a risk. When the people in power want to change the world in some major ways, speaking of the great reset or the energy transition or currency uh, changes or the, the fact that some people think that there are too many people in the world or, you know, all the many things, right? So fear is the best way to manipulate people and get them to change their behavior.
1: I really wanted to address in my book, um, even if we can break this mass formation, uh, there will be, if the, if, the, if the elementary conditions, psychological conditions the population is in, such as this loneliness and this lack of meaning making and so on, uh, continue to exist, then a new mass formation will emerge immediately. Uh, we've seen this now, actually. We have the, the, the corona narrative is uh, disappearing a little bit into the background, and we immediately got this narrative on the war on Ukraine, and now also the monkeypox uh, and all kinds of stuff who is in, emerging and who immediately fo- uh, forms a new, a new mass formation. And uh, as Hannah, uh, Hannah Arendt said, we will be confronted time and time again with totalitarianism, uh, unless, in one way or another... We can stop being obsessed by rational understanding because that I think, in my opinion, is the ultimate cause of of the problem of mass formation and totalitarianism, namely, this view on man in the world, in which we believe that everything around us can be rationally understood, manipulated, uh, controlled, uh, and that rational understanding. Should be the guiding principle in human life and in human society. I think that this view on man and the world always claims to be scientific, but I highly doubt that. I don't think, I think that science has brought us two things at the same time. On the one hand, it led to an increased rational understanding of the world which was sometimes very impressive. It accumulated a kind of rational knowledge, which indeed allowed us to control, manipulate the world to a certain extent. But at the same time, it also brought us something else. All great scientists... and
0: We are living in a very unique time in history because of the existence of the Internet. In the past, uh, newspapers, books radio, TV, and movies were used to influence the public's thinking. But now almost every person in the world has an internet connection through their computer or phone and can be exposed daily to brainwashing and propaganda and nudges intended to influence their behavior for good or bad purposes. Not every influencer is trying to convince people of bad things. However, Many of them are. And this is why it is so important for people to be aware of things that I'm talking about today. Because mass formation, hypnosis, cults, and brainwashing are all one and the same. With just varying degrees of how severe the people are being affected. Social social engineering is no longer... A theory it is a reality that we live with daily and it is it is uh, created through the constant flow of information of words and images through the internet the spoken word is very powerful it has been used since the beginning by charismatic well-spoken men sometimes men with guns in their hands and Men who use their voice to control hundreds or thousands of people at a time by simply standing up in front of them and talking and telling people to do this or that. And the people shouted with, you know, one voice in approval of these, these speakers. The word culture comes from the root word of cult of which the original meaning was to revolve around. So I think that's a perfect uh, explanation. What does the culture revolve around today? It revolves around the internet. I mean, everything we do is connected to the internet, we pay our bills. People use it for their phone calls, you know, we listen to music, we send emails, we send important documents, we handle our, um, just everything. I have even thought about uh, trying to start a challenge to get people to not use the internet for 24 hours. A challenge. But honestly, I didn't even know if I would be willing to do it. Of course, you know, when the the power's down and your phone dies, then you're forced to not use the internet. But would you do it willingly? Would you willingly not check your emails, not make a, you know, send a text, not check your notifications on social media, not read the news, not listen to your music, not listen to podcasts, not play your your games on your phone, and do the other things that people do, would you, would, how would you feel if you did not have the ability to do that? And I'm not, I mean, I know there are people in the world who don't do any of that, but once you get used to doing it every day, it's very hard to quit. I think our brains truly get dependent on it, and we become like trained animals and our, I mean, our brains are, our brains are very easily um, habituated to things that we do over and over again. And everything that we do on the internet has been crafted in such a way as to make us want to keep doing it. It's actually quite disturbing to think about how dependent we are on this constant stream of brain stimulation. And it's also horrifying to me when I see parents giving a phone to a baby in a in a stroller. I mean, I guess they just don't realize that they are starting the phone addiction at such a young age that they, they're not going to be able to break. And really, I'm sure that those parents have the phone addiction, so to them, it's a perfectly normal thing to do. But as an older person, it it makes me kind of sad because I remember life before phones and internet. So what should we do? What should we do about this and all this information about mass formation and propaganda? I think the first thing is that we must recognize that we ourselves are susceptible to it. We have to recognize that we are surrounded by propaganda. Just Some of it is simply marketing. And some of it is literally trying to change your behavior to fit certain agendas. Um, Whether it is a cult of technology, the cult of climate change, the cult of nationalism, the cult of nature worship, the cult of sex, the cult of spiritualism, the cult of the left, the cult of the right, the cult of race, the cult of sex. I think I said that one twice, sorry. You name it, uh, somebody has turned their belief into a movement to get you to change your behavior. So, knowing that, I think... uh, Most of the people listening to my podcast are pretty aware of these dangers. But I think if we look back over the past three presidential uh, terms, we can see a huge change in the world. So I would say all the way back to 2000, okay? And really the internet started being more like mainstreamed and I would say like 95 Um, but the 2000 really seems to be a time, like if you watch movies and you just look at the history, let's just say for at least 20 to 25 years, things have been rapidly changing when it comes to the amount of propaganda that's happening. So, um... What can we do to protect ourselves from this constant flow? Well, for one thing, we need to put other ideas into our heads, namely positive ones and truth truthful ones. Which probably a lot of you are reading your Bible, you're reading books that are based on the Bible, you're watching wholesome Movies, you're listening to positive, truthful podcasts, and that's great. You know, keep doing those things because otherwise, you know, you'll drown in the misinformation and propaganda stream. (laughs) Um, Can we we open the eyes of other people? I, I think it's really hard to do, but as he says in the podcast it's really important that we continue to voice our opinions and speak out publicly about what we see as um, lies and um, to be willing to state the dissenting opinion. He says that in the thirties, when Stalin and Hitler first, first got into power, there were people who spoke against them. But over time, they stopped, and it was only a matter of six months to a year after people quit speaking out that they started killing people. And some of those people were people who had quit speaking out. I mean, we, he says that the speaking out creates a disturbance in the flow of the propaganda And you have to keep disturbing the flow. Um, You know, in America, we still have a legal right, according to the Constitution, to free speech. But this right is under attack. And as we know, Christians are the dissenting voice. There are also non-Christians who see what's happening and hopefully some of them are going to be saved. By Jesus. But for now, um, I think we have to be willing to, you know, join the side for free speech, even if not all those people are Christians. Um, But as Desmet pointed out, there's another danger, and that that danger is that when you are trying to fight against mass formation, you run the risk of becoming. Your own cult. (laughs) And I think we kind of saw this with the QAnon cult and some extreme versions of patriotism during the Trump campaign. Anytime people feel really strongly about their beliefs, there's a risk that they're... Beliefs will be become put on a pedestal when they and, and losing the connection to those beliefs to humanity. We can't lose, we can't become so focused on our ideologies that we lose touch with the fact that without people, our ideologies don't matter. And I kind of saw, I still see that sometimes. It seems like maybe it's getting better, but there is still so much hate out there on MeWe and probably in some other places of people on the right that are, call themselves Christians. They're out there spewing hate, just like people on the left are spewing hate. And that's wrong. We really, we have to fight that because that's not God's will. Our, God's will is for us to be humble and to love God and love our neighbors. Fighting the good fight has to come from a place of humility and, and recognition that there but for the grace of God go I any of us can get swept up in, in uh, sin. Any of us can, you know, if we have been born into a different family, we might be part of the leftist movement. We, We might, there's no telling. So we always have to be grateful for the fact that we are believers in Jesus. And we have to show compassion to the lost sinners in the world. And the And the propagandized, brainwashed masses. You know, I mean, God wants us to pray for them. He doesn't want us to hate them, uh, belittle them on social media, argue with them, spew, you know, words of... it's, It's terrible. There's just so much bad stuff out there. I'm sure all of us can probably think of a time when we got swept up in a mo- one movement or the other, and suddenly realized that we had kind of forgotten why we joined that group in the first place and kind of got sucked into the, you know, the minutiae of the group and, and forgot about the people in the group. I mean, this, this this is just very easy to happen. You know, even the red pill movement has cult-like behaviors that we have to be careful not to fall into. We have to remember that not every event that happens is part of a conspiracy. Not every um, murder is the result of mind control. Not every, um, you know bad thing is the result of a plan of some evil government you know evil has a mind of its own and it's growing it's growing outside of this world it's supernatural so what we see happening in the world yes people are the actors but we have to pray for those people and we have to um not get sucked into that evil <clears throat> Evil is filling up the space that was created when the Enlightenment and science um, tried to remove God. People think they're in control of their lives with their secular humanism and scientism, but we know the truth. We can't lose hope. We can't join in with mindless mobs who get dopamine hits from from listening to the loud voices of the red pill movement. We want to be part of something important. We want to be connected to the group that we think is fighting for the right things. But we cannot let ourselves lose sight that the Bible is our source of truth. (coughs) God is our ultimate Connection. He is our anchor in this stormy sea of life. Our weapon is prayer, not hate. And only if we remember that we are weak and that we need God can we be strong enough for this fight for truth. And not only that, we have to realize that Jesus is the only person who's going to bring victory to this world. We're only here for a short time. And while we're here, we're supposed to love like Jesus did. So, as long as you are loving, loving other people, you know that you are not a victim of mass formation. As long as God is your compass, as long as you are praying for His will to be done, not the will of your ideology then you know that you are not part of a mass hypnosis. So I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. If you'd like to hear more from me, please check out my blog at blueskiesandgreenpastures.com and be, be on guard because the world needs more love, not more hate. Bye now.